Welcome back to <laughs> to another episode of In the Fire. Um, we're happy to have you. Um, going and bring in Justin and Thomas. How are you guys? I was doing? a fire sound I was making because I'm in the fire. Ah, uh, it sounded like uh, one of those <laughs> one of the notifications of it, like oh, what, an email. Like that. <laughs> that was that was me and. I was not trying to replicate a fire there. I was just <laughs> making another sound. Mm. But I guess Justin made the fire sound. So yes, <laughs> we have that as a nice welcome to the fire. Um, <laughs> it's good to be back this morning. Peter, what are we going over today? We are going over... Week three on uh, our series of Jesus's miracles, and today we're focusing oh, right. on Jesus healing a paralyzed man. A classic uh, miracle, if there ever yes, was one. By way of being brought down to the roof. It's a, uh, one of the more classic, yeah, one of the more classic, I, I feel, uh, some little miracles that you learn about way back when. Um, that's probably when I was first introduced to it, uh, so we're bringing it back. And I'm sure we've heard it throughout, at least we have throughout our lives in the church. Um, but it's a good one. So we're going to focus on that today. Uh, the scripture is in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, so we can go ahead and just get, get into reading it. Um, let's see. Justin, do you want to read 1 through 6? And then Thomas 7 through 12. I suppose arranged. Sure. I would hope so. All right. <laughs> Let us the begin. The floor is yours. Mark 2, 1 through 12. And he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do, you, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. All right. Thank you, Justin and Thomas. So this Good is, uh... <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> it is, it is. 12 verses of just simple miracle pretty reads pretty straightforward but i think there's a lot to unpack here um we're going to look at i guess three different 
topics or sections within this miracle. The first is the context of the miracle. And then we're going to look at uh, the, the spiritual miracle that happens. And then the scribes at the end and sort of the physical miracle that happens and the reaction to that. Um, so in regards to that first section, the context, uh, actually, this is the miracle that immediately follows the one we talked about last week, which was Jesus healing the leper. Um, it follows really sequentially, or it's the next next set of verses in each of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and then, if you recall, following last week, following the leper's restoration to health, which happened in, I guess, the few days before this, uh, if you remember, Jesus told this leper, not to tell anyone of the healing that was given to him. Um, but the leper was uh, overcome by such positive emotions and such a transformation that happened in his life that he actually did go ahead and start spraying the word and proclaimed it freely. Um, and hence, that brings us here to where Jesus is in the house and the crowds are have followed and are attracted to Jesus and they're just full. As begins uh, his sermon to, to these people. And that's kind of kind of leads us to where we are now in Capernaum at this moment. Um, so with the verses itself uh, here, what do you guys what do you guys have that stands out to you? Um, I, I, I did some background reading on this, too. And I think just the whole scene of this happening at this, I, it couldn't have been a big house. Um, I doubt any houses were that big at this point. So to have it. I mean, even a smaller house would have it overflowing. You can imagine it overflowing into the street, people just trying to hear anything. It seems kind of cool. Um, the Pharisees are also there, so they've kind of picked up on what's happening. I did contextually uh, pick up on a quote uh, from Ray Stedman, who is a theologian scholar. Uh, and he says, reading the book of Mark, at least, and what Mark has talked about, um, it is clear that Jesus was avoiding the streets because they had been turned into a healing campaign. Everyone kind of asking for him to heal. Everywhere he went, people besieged him with requests for healing and the casting out of demons so that he was unable to them to do primarily, which was preach the word. So that's what Jesus is trying to do. You know, he's trying to get in and preach a word, yet everyone's going to be flocking to him because they're starting to hear. At this point, Jesus has kind of done the things we talked about last week mark at this point he's cast out some demons uh so obviously he is starting to do some very powerful and and interesting things and people are picking up on it so but he's not going to let that dissuade him from what his purpose is and we see that uh, in this chapter i think too but he's still going to heal people you know um and reward them for their faith so it's pretty pretty cool Yeah, I think you guys covered it. Yeah, it is. It is cool. And I think that's an important thing to note that there are probably tons of people in this campaign following Jesus uh, who have illnesses or injuries or et cetera that want healing. Um, and so he's probably overwhelmed. Jesus is overwhelmed by the amount of people who are coming to him for healing. But one of the most important things that we're going to look at here is that uh, he's not going to focus primarily on that prime, that uh, physical healing, but his focus is on teaching the word of God. And that ultimately we'll find out is 
is the most important thing that he teaches, and that's what he wants to focus on. Um, so when you look at the, the first few verses here, it talks about the four men, and I think we can learn a lot from the four men and the man on the mat, um, mm -hmm. the paralytic. Uh, so they the come, <laughs> the man on the mat. It could be a movie title. Mm -hmm. um, so they come to him uh, to try to go get through the front doors or on the ground level to see Jesus. But again, there's a huge crowd. So they're unsuccessfully able to do that. Uh, so they go the other route. They find a way through the roof to, to bring the man down. And based off some research, these roofs were kind of removable. There are some loose uh, debris or fabric that covered the roofs. So it was pretty easy to take apart and then put someone down. But it was really the only way these, these men had access to him. And they were very persistent in that. And so I think we can learn about that because it shows how much, A, they love their friend and willing to uh, find any way necessary to reach Jesus for him, for his healing. And then they also have faith in Jesus. Um, they probably wouldn't do this, go at such lengths to reach Jesus if they didn't such powerful abilities to heal this man. And so I think, you know, that's telling or something that we can implement in our own lives. You know, we're not supposed to give up on God. Um, if the front door, if we're having trouble in the front door and that's not available, like try the roof. I think God wants uh, us to have a heart that pursues him. And we can see that the four men here did as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a pretty good analogy to draw there. There's probably, you know, you're all, God opening, closing doors. So that's a common no. And uh, you're, they're persistent. And I think also the man on the mat has a lot of faith by himself. Um, I'm sure he was encouraged by these four friends, but uh, I would think he, I mean, if I was in his position, I don't think I would be overly amused by my four friends carrying me around like this. You know, if I'm, if I'm struggling with whatever this physical affliction, for my whole life, but at least for some time, I probably wouldn't I'd be humiliated by having people carry in front of a giant crowd, lowering me through a roof. Cause I'm sure there's a fear of what if this doesn't work and everyone's going to see me as this paralytic man, which, you know, look down on me and I would be a little concerned about that. I think so. I think he shows some pretty good faith by just allowing them to carry him here go to great lengths because he could have just said oh this obviously isn't going to work we can't get through this crowd let's go home and i'll just continue on with my life here um i think this guy instead of the possible humiliation he chose humility um and jesus rewards him for his faith uh verse five he says son your sins are forgiven well the only way that he can forgive sins is if the person he's forgiving actually has faith that's that's how that works uh so jesus sees that faith and so i think this this guy um by himself and it probably helped that he had these four buddies with him who were encouraging him and bringing him along like this so credit to all five of them mm. yeah credit to all five of them for sure and i was also reading um you know, it's a lot easier to probably lower someone down from a roof than to bring them back up, to pull them back up. So they probably had faith that, again, that Jesus would heal this man because 
uh, would probably be a lot more difficult, maybe impossible to pull a man up from, uh, <laughs> from the roof, from the ground, a man that was on the ground, than to lower him down. So they probably uh, had faith that they wouldn't have to do that. The man would be able to walk out on his own afterwards. And so I think that's pretty cool too. Uh, and something that we can take away from. So here we are, the man, men are lowered down into the house. And I think one of the, the surprising things about this text is, uh, and something that sort of shatters your expectations, what would happen is the first thing Jesus does when he sees this man, uh, he talks to him and then he heals him, but not his injury. He says his sins are forgiven. Again, Justin was talking about that faith that this man have that probably Jesus saw and was like, okay, this man's worthy. Uh, he's humbled himself. He's submitted to me. He's worthy to be forgiven of his sins. And Jesus does that. Um, but again, he doesn't heal the, the paralysis right away. Instead, uh, like something we talked about last week with the leper, uh, he doesn't want to draw attention solely to the ability to heal physical ailments. And so I think that's a nice connection between that, that episode we looked at last week. Uh, really, my, my big takeaway from that was when Jesus healed the leper, uh, it was an instant and um, complete healing that allowed this man no longer to have to do the rituals of cleansing that we talked about, uh, that I think Thomas mentioned was in, was that in Leviticus or Deuteronomy? Leviticus. Leviticus. Yeah. So there are, uh, if, if you watch the ep or listen to the episode last week, there are an inordinate amount of steps taken uh, <laughs> that the that lepers had to take. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy uh, that they had to take to enter the temple to pray. Um, but Jesus healed the man of his leprosy, providing instant and complete healing. And that's the same thing that he does um, when he dies on the cross. He provides instant and complete healing of our sins to those who accept him. And that was such a transformational process. Um, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and that we could have direct access to God now. We didn't have to cleanse, our, cleanse ourselves or uh, go through these uh, elaborate processes or rituals in the temple to reach God, which the, the high priest had to do. Um, instead, that was, all, uh, that was all fulfilled and overcome by Jesus' healing uh, of our sins. And here again, we see Jesus focusing on the healing of sins first which is more important even than physical healing. Mm. Yeah, you wonder, like, the reaction of he's lowered down and he's probably, like, you know, he's hoping that he gets the physical healing. And I'm sure when he got this spiritual healing, he was very, I mean, more fulfilled than he could have been with just the physical healing. Um, and Jesus knows that, and that's why he does it, but... I wonder if there was a part of him that was kind of disappointed. <laughs> like when he gets lowered down there, they go through all this work and then Jesus forgives him of his sins. And I wonder if he's laying there and thinking, okay, <laughs> that's maybe not exactly why he came there, but he got more out of why he came there. And Jesus gives you more oftentimes than what you go to him for. Uh, and that's what happens here. And I, I think he probably recognized that, but maybe a part of it was left a little bit uh, not disappointed, but expecting that he was going to get this physical healing too, which we, of course, see he will get it. Uh, and Jesus is going to give him that complete, full healing. But um, at this point, 
I wonder if there is any of that going through his mind. That is interesting. I think, I think that's the way I've always thought about it. Um, but I don't know. Reading it, reading it today and this morning, um, I wonder if like maybe that was the, like going to get his sins forgiven was the reason that he went there. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure. Like if you had like that bad I mean he wasn't able to enter the temple or or sacrifice or anything um so I wonder if like just going to Jesus for like having his sins forgiven is was like part of the impetus to to see him um because that is like that's what Jesus did does first here um we see later on when the woman goes and just like touches Jesus's um, like just his garments and she's healed. Like that's why she went there. And that's the first thing that Jesus did for her. Um, and like her faith healed her and then Jesus turned around and then he worked on her spirit. And here Jesus starts with the spirit and cleansing of the man's sins that which then leads into his physical healing. Um, yeah. So I, I almost wonder if like, and like he says, saw their faith and he's like, man, like they believe in me. Um, and it's true and honest. And he says, your sins are forgiven. So I almost think that might be more of a, more of the reason why they're going to Jesus than the other one. But also they're probably like best case scenario, you know, you're walking out of here today. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that shows an even stronger faith than by, by all five of these men, you know, if they are mm-hmm. really going for spiritual healing. And I think you actually might be onto something because that's, that's what Jesus immediately does. He sees their faith and he forgives him. Um, so I like that. I like that interpretation. Hmm. Yeah. I've never, I've never pictured it like that before. Like what is the paralytic and what do these four men expect? Um, but clearly they come to Jesus with this faith that Jesus can clearly see. And so um that's probably why he chose to 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 heal these guys and to first heal this man's sins um because he sees their faith that sticks out so it's i think it's definitely plausible that these um men came to jesus not just for physical healing like if that happens great but they have faith and they're here to they believe in jesus and they're here to uh to be transformed by him and jesus sees that and changes them um Mm -hmm. yeah it's also really interesting because I think the order in which Jesus does this here forgives him of his sins first. It That sets up the response from the Pharisees, which then sets up his healing of the man's physical affliction. Uh, so I think there's there's purpose to why Jesus does things in this order too, along with maybe that really strong faith that this paralytic man and his friends are showing. He is, Jesus is very strategically, I think, he has this planned out, uh, mm-hmm. and it will, we'll see that more as we discuss the next section. But I think that's pretty interesting also. Definitely. Yeah, so let's move on to the next section. So the focusing on the scribes and then this physical healing that happens next. Um, as you said, Justin, one of the things that stuck out to me most about this passage was the sequence of events that happens. He heals 
he forgives the man's sins first. He heals him um, spiritually. And doing that first allows the next um, amazing sequence of events to happen. And it sets it up um, for not only the, the man to be physically healed, but also for the scribes to see, and I guess, I guess the audience to see that this man is God in, in the flesh. Um, and so the conversation with the scribes here, uh, I think just further validates his decision to focus on saving the man's sins first. Um, and that is what Jesus prioritizes in his life and in his ministry. Um, so yeah, he sort of gradually is revealing that he is not just some teacher or prophet, but that he is the son of God. So what you see here with the scribes is that they are confused, uh, similar to the very first episode in this series that we talked about when uh, Jesus tells the Jewish leaders that he will destroy and rebuild the temple in three days, which took 46 years to build. Um, at that time, they were very confused. And here I think the scribes are confused because Jesus claims authority to heal the man's sins but then the scribes are like, okay, only God has the authority to do that. And so Jesus' actions seem to them kind of outside the realm of human possibility, which I think is not an unreasonable thing to think. You know, the verses themselves say they reasoned thus within themselves. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of makes sense. A human does not have the authority to, um, to heal sins. So they're not, but they do not believe yet that Jesus is not just a human, that he's God also. And so what happens next, which is the physical healing of the, of the paralytic, is what really helps um, validate Jesus' statement that he can save sins. Because it shows to the scribes and the audience that um, because Jesus can heal physical sins, that he is also not human. He has some godly attribute to him. And so that validates and gives him authority as he is God to also forgive his sins, which we saw earlier in the, in the passage. Yeah, I think that that's pretty spot on and that covers a sequence of events. Well, I mean, again, as, as I said, I think there's a, there's a dual reason. There's the faith that Jesus heals his sins first, but then there's this, so verse five, Jesus heals his sins immediately. The Pharisees here, and I, I like the word like verse eight, immediately um jesus perceives what happens but also the pharisees you know kind of say real quick you just healed this man's sins you can't do that that's blasphemous and then i love jesus's reasoning in verses 9 through 10 and i have more to add on this but we'll start with the reasoning here um which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say arise take your bed and walk so it's kind of like hey anybody Literally any person at this point can say the words to this guy, your sins are forgiven. Uh, whether it's true or not, anybody can say it. But then he adds on the, but is it easier to just say that? Or is it easier to say, now stand up to the paralytic man and walk out of here, which then he does. And that right there is, I, I'd have to think that's pretty good proof that Jesus is beyond <laughs> just human, you know? Mm -hmm. Um he is he is proving it right here by healing this man on the spot in front of the Pharisees. I think it's it's a very powerful moment. And another example of Jesus just knowing exactly the right thing to say 
at the right time. Yeah, that is that's so true. Jesus, anyone could say like anything. You can I could I could tell you your sins are forgiven. I've forgiven your sins. But um, what authority do I have? And Jesus here says, "Okay, let me let me show you um, that I have this authority." So, <laughs> just a question: What do you guys think is easier um, to forgive the sins or to have the paralytic take up his bed and walk? <laughs> hmm. I think it is easier to say your sons are forgiven. Yes. Um, but it is not easy to actually forgive the sins. <laughs> and then it's, I would say it's impossible for me to, <laughs> to say get up and walk to a paralytic and have it happen. <laughs> And for the Pharisees, I think they were probably of the opinion that they had the authority to forgive people's sins, mm. right? Mm. Actually say to people, your sins are forgiven, but there is no way that they could tell this guy to get up and walk and he could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus is showing them that he can do something that they cannot do, which I'm sure does not help their opinion of Jesus. Yeah. But, that's not Jesus' goal is to make them like him. You know, he, he's trying to show, show his uh, authority here. Yeah, I um, think, yeah, spot on. I think um, as humans, you know, we see things in the physical realm and we see what's possible and what's not possible. And then that is, is different than, say, sins are forgiven. You can't really see someone's sins being forgiven. It's more impossible, I think, to see something what you think is impossible to happen which is a paralyzed man get out of his bed and walk and so yeah i think it is more difficult to do the latter to say say to the man take up your bed and walk and i just love that response that jesus asked them there um also one quick note that um why jesus asked this man why why jesus asked the scribes about this is because um he perceives in his spirit that in their hearts they were um, they were reasoning that question within themselves. Um, they were questioning in their hearts: Does Jesus have the authority to do this? Because only God can. Um, and I think this points to another sign of evidence that Jesus is God is because he can read their hearts, and that's something that God does with us: is that He knows um, just by seeing our hearts that we're saved when we die and go to heaven, he can read our hearts and, um, and then respond depart from me or I never knew you or uh, well done, good and faithful servant. He can, he has the ability to read our hearts. And so we see that uh, evidence itself here as well, that Jesus um, is God because he can do that too. Yeah. And this to me, it, it's kind of a dramatic few verses because it's kind of like a standoff between Jesus and these Pharisees right now. And I don't know if we've seen this yet, uh, at least in the book of Mark. I mean, obviously we have him going in and, and raising up the temple and, and doing all that, but I don't think that's quite the standoff that we see here. That's Jesus going in and kind of proclaiming in a sense, but this is his first kind of, and I'd have to look in the other gospels if he does this yet, but where he goes to the Pharisees and 
almost displays his power against theirs. And actually, I was just looking through the study guide that I have from David Guzik here, and he says, imagine the tension in this scene. Uh, the scribes were tense because Jesus challenged them and said he would demonstrate he was the son of God. The paralyzed man was tense because he wondered if Jesus would really heal him. The crowd was tense because they sensed the tension of everyone else. Because <laughs> uh, these are the Pharisees, the most powerful people, you know, legally, spiritually at the time in this area. And then you have Jesus coming in and kind of claiming this this new authority. And this might be the first time we really see Jesus show that power over the Pharisees and actually prove that he has it. So it's a pretty big moment, I think. And, you know, these are the people who in the end will push to crucify Jesus. And these are the exact things that they point to, to make sure that happens. They point to what he said about the, at the temple, what we talked about two weeks or you know, two weeks ago of, you know, rebuilding a temple in three days and tearing it down. And they point to that. They point to this as these kinds of things that are the reasons for why Jesus should be crucified. And Jesus knows that they're going to point to these things, but to establish his power and his authority, he's going to do these things anyways. And it just, it reads like a really dramatic kind of thing. Uh, if you imagine yourself in the house at this point, kind of, oh boy, what's going to happen next? And then he gets up and walks out. Uh, and the, the Pharisees have nothing. Indeed. Um, I think I think it's a cool, cool point you brought up that this, these are the things that Jesus is like crucified for that they bring up like during his trial and everything. Um, and I think that's important because like the very things that make that like make Jesus divine were the very things they used to say he should be crucified. And so like it was unavoidable from the start, even if like Judas didn't betray him or, they were going to crucify Jesus regardless. And I think you can kind of see that through how radical Jesus was and how, how wrong <laughs> that the Pharisees were not, not because they didn't, not because they knew they were wrong, but because Jesus just brought something so contrary to what they had been doing. Um, they were, completely focused on the law that they had forgotten that God was their father and Jesus came to show them like what a relation like an intimate relationship with God is and means and that got him killed <laughs> yeah. because he claimed to be God and they're like no you're not and then he's like Watch me rebuild the temple in three days, and then he did it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the these Pharisees, throughout Jesus's ministry, and why they feel so challenged is because they stick to the Old Testament laws, the Old Testament God, um, and they stick to reason, as you see here. They reason within themselves that um, no man could have authority to forgive sins. They reason within themselves that the temple cannot be rebuilt in three days. Uh, and they stick to their um, Old Testament laws. 
and they're also in positions of power. And so all that I think sets up um, them to be challenged and to feel um, threatened by Jesus when he contradicts and confuses them in so many ways. Uh, and one of the one of the things I wanted to point out to about this is about this miracle. I think it sort of differs from some of the other ways that the Pharisees feel challenged. Because in the end, I do think that these scribes that are here um, become saved, or they realize that Jesus is the Son of Man um, and the Son of God. Because it says in the one of the final verses. Um, yeah, verse 12, immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, mm -hmm. saying, we never saw anything like this. And so it didn't happen for all the Pharisees. In fact, most of the Pharisees probably are the ones that got Jesus on the cross. Um, but here, I think, is a special moment, because it's where really the triumvirate, God the Father, three in one, um, the magnitude of realizing what that means uh comes to life here um and the pharisees the scribes realize that because they see god the son they see forming sins on earth having authority as a man on earth to heal sins and to heal um impossible to heal physical ailments and illnesses and they glorify god because of that so i think there is something about Jesus that they see and they're like, oh, this um, fulfills or deepens our understanding of God because he's not just the God of the laws in the Old Testament, but he's also this forgiving God that you see come down on earth um, to serve as a uh, intercessory or I don't know if that's the right word, but to intercede on our behalf. Um, to forgive us of our sins. And I think what's so special about this this miracle here is that I think the scribes, not all of the, this doesn't happen in all the miracles, but at least here, I think they are transformed by what they see. Yeah, I like that. And I think you do see that a couple of times. Like you see it with Nicodemus, I think. Um, people who are actually a little bit convicted of, you know, are convicted to understand the truth. And they're definitely getting that here. And, and, point um i want to raise this now is there there are some very deep kind of theological underpinnings to what jesus says here and i think it's directed really right at the pharisees um so in verse 10 jesus says but that you may know the son of man has the power on earth to forgive sins and if you read the gospels Jesus refers to himself as the son of man several times. And each time is this very important kind of, again, dramatic way that he does it because of the specific and unique meaning that son, the term son of man carries. Uh, it is used, I think, the first time in the book of Daniel, in Daniel's vision of the end times. And it, I, I want to say this is might be the only, one of the only places we see it in the Old Testament, maybe Ezekiel, uh, maybe Isaiah that look forward to this, these times too. But Daniel, I think, is the, really the first, maybe only place you see it. I'd have to look into that. But Daniel says, um, let me see if I can, I can find it real quick. Daniel 7, 
verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him as dominion, as an everlasting dominion. So that specific phrase, Son of Man, is a very, very messianic phrase and this is directly jesus claiming through old testament scripture and a very precise and unique old testament scripture that precisely declares himself as the messiah and the pharisees there would have to understand that because they would know that that phrase son of man all too well and i'm sure a lot of the other people in the crowd would be familiar with it too um so this is a direct claim to the throne that Jesus is making to that eternal throne. So I think coupled with the actual miracle he performs, this is probably a very powerful moment for those Pharisees. And Peter, as you were saying, if they did indeed recognize that and understand what was happening and were convicted in their hearts because of all this coming together at once, it would make sense that they would respond in this way and, you know, by God went through what's happening. Um, so if, if, if they were as smart as they were and saw the things that happened, they probably respond that way. Wow. I love that connection between Daniel. Um, yeah. That, what you said right there, Justin, all that just makes me appreciate this text even more. Um, because when it comes down to it, you're right. The scribes and Pharisees, they know the, um, they know the Old Testament scripture so well. And what I think it comes down to is, are they willing to believe that Jesus is the one who's actually fulfilling those scriptures? Um, and do they, are, do they exhibit hardness of heart or do they humble themselves like the men here who brought down the paralytic man and the paralytic man himself? Do they humble themselves before Jesus and recognize and become transformed in their hearts? through these actions and through what Jesus is preaching, are they transformed? And here I think the scribes are. In other instances, um, like you said, Nicodemus, he pro- he was too. Uh, but then in other instances, the Pharisees probably didn't believe or weren't convinced in their hearts. They hardened their hearts against it. They may have even seen Jesus' miracles, but they just refused to believe that he was actually the one fulfilling the scriptures. Um, but here which is so beautiful. They glorify God. And at least it happens in this instance where they um, do not harden their hearts against what they see, but they welcome Jesus in and glorify God because they realize the, the depth and the beauty of what is being fulfilled here. Yeah. Good word. Yeah, well, that is, um, I think that's all of the miracle. It's a good miracle. Uh, that's all we can say. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's surprising in some ways, but it also is, it's pretty straightforward in others, which I like, but there is a lot of depth to it. Um, another thing I wanted to point out, just a quick note that I think I, I kind of left out. Um, when Jesus says to the paralyzed man, get up. In Greek, that is the same action word used during baptism. Um, Yeah, I thought that was just a nice little nugget. So he's being raised. 
um, physically, and he's also healed of his sins. He's being raised in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. That's, Can you guys that's imagine, cool. imagine like what it was like to live at this time <laughs> and to be in like Capernaum and uh, Jerusalem and and be aware of all that's happening and actually to witness some of it? Because I still, you know, I believe that there are miracles that still take place today. And uh, you just, you just got to kind of have to look for them. And, but they're probably not as, you know, you don't hear about these things happening day and age. Um, but to be like one of the disciples or to be people in this crowd who things happen time after time in the span of, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, I, I think it would just be really, really cool to actually see it happen. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, the odds of that happening, um, let's see, throughout the tens of thousands of years that Earth has existed and thousands of years that humans have, you know, been on Earth to get, um, I guess, Jesus' ministry. I mean, it started when he was what 30 years old and he died when he was 33 is that right yeah so it's actually even shorter now even 10 years it's <laughs> so i guess there's some miracles afterwards like in the book of acts with john and peter that they were able to do but uh witness that in such you know i mean the odds of being able to live and see that happen in that exact place in time uh for you know three to five years however long those miracles happened um is very slim and so i think it would be so cool to you know picture yourself in that time and for those who were able to witness that um it's about as special as it gets you know to 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 have had the opportunity to see jesus on earth yeah yeah do you guys have any 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 more final thoughts before i can close this out in prayer i don't i have none which was a good for this week yeah i like this series a lot um the miracles are it's great to see them to sort of connect them all and to see them um in one episode after another or to do it in a series i guess it's cool to to see what jesus is doing on earth um because it's it's really it really is a special moment in the bible and in history um yeah All right, well, I'll go ahead and pray. Uh, Dear Father, thank you for this wonderful morning and opportunity to record this podcast. Um, Thank you that we we get to us three come together again for the, um, what's this, the 53rd time? 53, 53, yeah. Um, We just thank you so much for that and all that we've been able to learn about you through this podcast. Um, I pray that as we go forward, in our weeks, in this week, and in our lives, um, that we be faithful in you, Lord, and that find a way to pursue you, like the four men and the paralyzed man did uh, here in this in this miracle, Lord, and may we be able to recognize the tremendous works that you've done in our lives that just point to you and your wonderful beauty um, and your love for us, and also as we read the Bible and ponder the miracles and works that you've done there, Lord, may our love for you uh, just deepen and may we continue to be transformed um, 
and renewed by your word as we go forward. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thomas. Peter. Where can our listeners reach us? Listeners, if you've made it this far, thank you. If you want to reach out to us, Thomas, how can they do that? Mm, yes. Well, we have we have a multifaceted way for our viewers to get in touch with us. Uh, the first facet is through Gmail. Uh, it is three, the number three, in the fire at gmail.com. And the second facet is our Instagram, which is in the fire podcast. Just straight through, no caps, no spaces, um, just in the fire podcast. Has a really cool uh, in the fire uh, profile picture. Mm-hmm. Um, same one as the podcast on Spotify. Uh, and yeah, we want you guys to DM us, uh, slide in, ask us any questions you have. If you want us to cover any topics, we'd be more than happy to. And yeah, we're eagerly awaiting your interaction. <laughs> We are. And hey, I also noticed uh, I, I mostly go on Spotify. I don't if I ever want to listen to our podcast. Uh, so you can subscribe on Spotify. You can sc- subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can give us a rating in those specific apps. <laughs> Please give us a five-star rating. Uh, the more ratings we get, the better things will go. <laughs> yeah, we'd love for you to rate us. Um, I just... <laughs> I just gave us a five-star rating <laughs> on my account. There is no bias. <laughs> no bias, just objective feedback I want to yes. give the, the In the Fire hosts. Um, yeah, just now, just you have to say that exact same thing. Is this, uh, is this a new option? I don't know. I just noticed it like last week. Yeah, same. Maybe we've been going long enough now that we can actually get a rating. I think, that, yes. <laughs> I do think there was also an update in Spotify recently. A few uh, of the UI stuff changed. Interesting. At the bottom. Yeah. Um, the buttons got a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter where you listen to us, we appreciate it, and we hope you'll subscribe and give us a good rating. <laughs> yeah, we sure do, and we hope you listeners and you, Justin Thomas, we hope you all have a great week ahead. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next episode. Adios.